You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Hey, everybody. It is time for American Winer on podcastdetroit.com. How are we doing? Uh, we're here a little early today um, for a very special reason, which I will get to in a moment. I am getting over an illness, so forgive me if my voice is a bit scratchier than normal. Um, like I said, uh, it's uh, just after four here. We're usually on uh, from uh, seven to eight. But uh, the reason that we were doing the show earlier today is is a very special reason. Um, a, uh, a musician that I have been a fan of for uh, over a decade is joining us uh, via Skype his name is Jeff Martin, and he is from the band This Day and Age. Jeff, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm great, man. Thanks for coming on. Um, I, we always start these uh, the musician interviews off with the exact same question, and that question is, uh, where were you born? I was born in Buffalo, New York. Okay. Uh, and what was your yeah. childhood like? Uh, did what uh, what what were you into, and uh, you know what were your yeah. hobbies and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I lived in Buffalo for. Um, most of my, I've lived in the Philadelphia area for the last 10 years. So the majority of my life was in Buffalo. So obviously I'm used to pretty serious winters and pretty, uh, disheartening sports teams. Um, <laughs> so I think, well, I mean, honestly, part, big part of my childhood was those four straight Super Bowl losses. Cause my dad, um, my dad had uh, season tickets to the bills, you know, all throughout the nineties uh-huh. and you know, as a little, little kid, I went to some of those games and I remember that just being such a big deal at my, in my family and also in my town. Um, and you know, kind of going through seeing all that happen to when it really didn't mean that much to me, but knowing what it meant to my town was kind of amazing to see them make the AFC championship four years in a row and then somehow not win it. So I remember the bills have always been a big part of my childhood. Oh, okay. Um, well, well, we're from well, Detroit, so we all I didn't really get in. We're from Detroit, so we all know. We, we, I mean, we're we yeah. have the Lions here, so <laughs> yeah. we know all about that. But uh, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't have pegged you for a sports guy, man. But you were you. That's what you were into as a kid was uh, was the Bills and all that's, that kind of stuff. That's that's funny because I always this is just a funny description that sometimes my, I say to my friends is that for a musician I'm surprisingly athletic, and I say that <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek. But I grew up, you know, my dad and my brother just really big sports guys. Like my dad coached um, my baseball teams throughout my whole life. And then he coached varsity basketball at a, at a different school. And my brother played um, varsity sports. Um, I played, I played four years of varsity golf and two years of high school baseball. Um, And then it was kind of actually right. The reason I didn't continue playing um, baseball in high school was because right around there, like my um, sophomore junior year of high school is when I started to really kind of get into music. So that was sort of like my little transit transition when I think I could have either, you know, really started to, you know, continue to take sports seriously, but then all of a sudden music really kind of, uh, became a big part of my life. Did you kind of want to do sports? Like when you were a kid, like that was, you're like, I want to be a baseball player or, or whatever. No, not really. It's just, it was always there. Like I literally played, I literally played baseball from when I was five to 16 you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i i didn't think you know i think i was good but i wasn't like amazing i didn't think i was going to play college baseball i probably could have played college golf honestly if i took it a little bit more seriously towards the end um i'm still a pretty good golfer that's something i still really love to do um but yeah man once i got my first guitar at you know right around 16 years old that was uh 
that that was my trajectory. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, what kind of a student were you? <laughs> I was, um, I, I had good grades, but I, I always gotten, I always gotten a lot of trouble in high school and like, in like a fun way. Like we were the kind of, my group of friends in high school, we were, we were troublemakers, but almost in kind of like a, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but we, we got good grades, but we were always finding ourselves in some sort of situation that wasn't making our teachers and principals happy. Uh, okay. So like in a non-threatening way, sort of. Exactly. Like so we weren't trouble. like, we weren't like ruining anyone's life, but we were definitely not taking school too seriously. Oh, okay. Do you have any specific stories <laughs> that you can think of that, uh, from that era of you guys getting in, you know, into, into trouble? Oh man. I remember I got kicked out of the, my school's library for an entire year, which seems kind of counterproductive because you probably want kids to be there. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I used to just unplug my friend's computers before they could finish saving a, a paper. And that was probably, you know, that was like right before, you know, people would have flash drives and, and, you know, the cloud and, and Dropbox and all that stuff. So, you know, if you, if you unplug somebody's computer, that was, <laughs> that was pretty bad. So yeah, we would just do stupid stuff like that, honestly. And, and we, we would only kind of mess with each other too. So it was very like internal, um, you know, as far as the way we would cause trouble. So yeah, I got kicked out of the library for a year, but you know, I bounced back after that. All right. Uh, what did your uh, parents do? You mentioned your dad was a coach, I think, uh, earlier. But, yeah, so uh, he was, that was kind of a side thing for him. He was a, um, you know, baseball coach and then a golf and then a uh, basketball coach, but he was just in sales for his whole life. He, he, um, he worked right around the corner from our house growing up and he was in kind of, um, industrial supplies, um, sales, like anything from paint to power tools, et cetera, et cetera. And he did that. You know, that, that generation, you know, before us or, you know, that was kind of like a, sometimes a one career generation. That was kind of my dad. Like he worked at the same place when he was 25 to retiring just last year. Oh, really? Wow. I cannot, and I cannot even imagine that. Yeah. Me neither, man. That's uh that's yeah. great though. The stability but, from that. Yeah. And, and my mom, um, she was a, a nurse her whole, her whole life, um, and she actually just retired also. She still does some kind of stuff on the side as far as representing different um, medical products here and there just for a pharmaceutical company. But, yeah, she was a nurse for her whole life, too. So just really interesting that I've I've kind of bounced around, you know, a lot in the last 10 years or so as far as what I'm trying to do in my life. But my parents, they, they really kind of had those um, that one career and they stuck with it. But. I really grew up in a great family and they were always very supportive of my kind of strange life. You know, you know, it's not, not super normal to have a kid that goes on tour for several years and does that whole thing. Right. Right. Are you, uh, how many siblings do you have? You said you had a brother. Yeah. I just, I just had one younger brother and he is, um, he still lives some pit. So him and my parents, they both, they also live in Buffalo, New York. And, uh, my brother, he's a high school history teacher and, Interestingly enough, he he teaches at the school that we both went to, which was pretty sweet. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I was I was home in Buffalo maybe uh, six months or so ago, and he kind of gave me a tour of the school. It was the first time I'd I'd walked in there since I graduated, so it was really kind of crazy to walk around and remember all the getting kicked out of the library and all that fun, fun are, stuff. Right. Right. 
Uh, so <laughs> yeah. um, you said, because uh, my next question is, when did you first get interested in music? But you said you were 16 yeah. and you got your first guitar. Um, yeah. So t- tell us about that experience. I think I was, so leading up to that, I think I was probably more like 12 or 13 when I, I really started. I remember my mom would always have like the Beatles on at the house. Um, sometimes even Michael Jackson and Phil Collins. Like those are the three kind of artists that I, that I remember sort of grabbing my attention as, a, as like a younger kid. And I, I remember I got really obsessed with the Beatles as like a, probably 14, you know, 14 years old or something. And then I wanted to find a, you know, a band, like a modern band to say, you know, why well, I don't just like my, my mom's music. I like something that's you know, now. Mm-hmm. So she would go to, so my mom would like get her nails done at this, this place in this plaza in Buffalo, you know, every other week or whatever it was. And there was this little like bookstore, like it was actually like a Christian music bookstore. And I would, t- she would, I would tag along so that, so that she could drop me off in there. And literally for an entire hour, I would go in there and bug the guy to show me all the newest music. And that was like all like the tooth and nail records bands, um, you know, kind of in that MXP, you know, MXPX era. And I would just go in there and just, you know, get lost in music for like an hour. So, you know, this is 14, 15. And then I just remember saying, you know, MXPX became my favorite band easily. And then I just remember asking for a guitar for, you know, when I was a sophomore in high school and, uh, yeah, man, from there, it was just, that was, that was it. But yeah, the Beatles, Michael Jackson, Phil Collins, that was, you know, in my house. And that just kind of made me start loving, loving music. Well, that makes a lot of sense because you had the pop origins and then, and then it was, it was tempered with the punk and then yes, and exactly. that was, that was yep. the perfect, uh, you know, mix right But there. I was, did you listen to MXPX at all? I'm familiar with them. I wasn't a huge fan or anything, but I I like know the okay. name and all that. Yeah, that was honestly, man, that was the band that kind of, you know, I haven't listened to them much at all in the past 10 years or so, but that was the band that kind of changed my life. Kind of like made me want to be in a band. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of that, that, that music kind of gets more difficult to enjoy the older you get for some reason. Oh, I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, it's weird, but yeah, the stuff that grabs you when you're younger. Um, do you remember when you first realized you could sing? Yeah, that's kind of funny because my first band, I, I, they did my first two bands. I didn't, um, I didn't sing at all. I, you know, I just played guitar. I was, I was in a ska band in, um, at the end of high school with, with some friends. Um, and you know, we had another guy that was just a singer in that band. And I just, I just played electric guitar as I was kind of spreading my way through, through all that. Mm-hmm. And then, my one, my, I had this friend, Sean O'Neill, and he was a drummer and, um, he was like, Hey, you know, I, do you ever want to just mess around and just trying to try to write some music or something like that? And I, I went over to his house and I had started like just re- working on a song or writing a song and I started singing in his basement, I think it was. And he was like, you know, Hey man, you're not, you're not bad. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> and um, like I wasn't in, you know, like all my kids that I went to high school with, they all, you know, after they found out about this day and age, you know, you know, many years later, they were all like, you didn't do anything musical in high school. Like you weren't, I wasn't in chorus. I wasn't in plays. I wasn't in the school band. And yeah, I think sometime in Sean O'Neill's basement in, you know, my senior year of high school, I just kind of discovered this 
you know, side of me that that I, did, that I really wasn't aware of up until then. But you, but you immediately were like, oh yeah, this is, this feels great. I got to This is what I want to run yeah. with. Yeah. And then my friend, and then I had another friend, similar time frame. my friend, Brian Micah, and we both got really obsessed with, um, counting crows back then too, which is kind of funny. Oh, hell to yeah. Say it now. Um, yeah, but we would be at like little parties and stuff and, you know, we would find our way to just like a room where there was just a couple people, you know, cause I actually, I'll, I can explain this later, but I never really liked playing in front of a lot of people. Um, and that's still funny to say to this day, but you know, my friend Brian and I, and a couple other people, we'd find ourselves in another room, just singing a few counting crow songs when we were seniors in high school. And, you know, people would be like, Oh, Jeff, you have a, you have a nice voice. And I was like, really? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it, and then it just kind of went, it just kind of went from there. It was, it's funny. I, I have to ask, man, do you remember the counting crow songs that you would play? Oh yeah, man. I, I mean like the songs from August and everything after, um, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know the, I can't think of the names of them now, but you know, like not Mr. Jones, like that whole era and, uh, recovering the satellites, those, like those two albums, we, um, we'd play a bunch of those songs. It was fun. Well, that's, that's awesome. I would, I, I'd love yeah. to hear that. That would be, that would be, that'd be great. Um, well, th- this day and age, I know we're not to this day and age yet, but this day and age actually did a cover song of a, a Counting Crow song at one point that was going to be on like one of those compilations that people were doing, you know, about like, you know, cover, you know, like cover band. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Compilations. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember yeah. which one it was, which song it was? I I actually think we did the song recovering the satellite. Really? Oh man, that would be, yeah, yeah. that's, that's awesome. I wish I could dig, I wish I could dig that recording up, but yeah. So all that to say is it was my senior year of high school where I, um, sort of discovered that I could, sing a little bit okay and i assume it must have been around then that you started writing your own your own music because you said you'd been in bands yeah. before but it wasn't really like you were just kind of the guitar player and you weren't uh the uh the primary exactly, songwriter. yeah i i showed i remember i showed my friend that, that guy brian that i mentioned and a couple other friends that, that a couple songs that i i was working on and then um yeah and, and i seemed to really enjoy that too which i didn't and, you know, this was kind of paired with MXPX, you know, I'd also cover some MXPX songs and I was just like, you know, maybe I could, maybe I could write a, a song or two. And yeah, I showed them to a, few, a couple of my friends and they were like, this is pretty cool, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, and then it wasn't much, it wasn't much later that this day and age kind of started. So was it just the two bands then before this day and age that you were in or were there was, was yeah, there more to yeah. it? Yeah, it was really just the two. The, yeah, the ska band was called the Troubleshooters. And then um, I didn't even know if my friend, me and my friend Sean O'Neill, if we had a, a band name because we never played it. We just played in his basement. Um, so, yeah, but it was really just those two things plus playing some a few songs at parties that, that was prior to this day and age. Okay. Well, t- tell us about uh, the genesis of this day and age, then, because uh, like, like, so how did that yeah. come together? Yeah, so it was it was just a little bit. Of, it was like right after I graduated high school, so I guess I was um, a freshman in college, and my uh, my brother was in school. You know, he was so, so my brother was still in high school, and three guys that he um, kind of went to grade school with and still kept up with. One of whom, of course, was my cousin. So my cousin Pete and then uh, Steve and Mike, who my brother went to school with growing up, they had started a band and they were, they were primarily, I think, just doing like cover stuff, you know, like MXPX, you know, they were into the same stuff, just pop punk, you know, all that. And my cousin, you know, my first cousin, still, we're still close, um, Pete, 
lives in Buffalo. We were at like our Christmas party that year. So it must have been Christmas of 2001, I think, or Christmas of 2000 or 2001. And he goes, Jeff, would you ever want to just come, just come play with me, Steve and Mike sometime just in Steve's basement and just see how it goes. You know, we're, we're kind of trying to want, you know, to make the band a little bit more serious. And I was like, sure. You know, this is, this is me just kind of still evolving into any, any type of musician. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to play with anybody for those opportunities. And, um, probably not even a month later, I, I just went over to Steve's and, uh, Steve, you know, Steve's the drummer of this day and age in the reign of Kindo. And, um, and we played and, uh, and that's when this day and age began. It, it basically began with a conversation with, between my cousin Pete and I at a family party, which is crazy. And so you guys were off. Did you immediately start playing uh, the songs that you had written or uh, how, did, how did that so, happen? It, it's funny. Cause when we first started, my cousin Pete was probably more of the lead singer. Actually. Um, we put out, we put out this little five song EP. Um, I don't I, I want to say six months. I'm just throwing a number out there about six months after we, we formed and three out of the five songs, my cousin Pete sang on mm-hmm. and I, I sang on two of them. Um, and yeah, co- those two songs were songs that I think I presented to the guys when I, when I first joined and I was like, yeah, these are a couple songs that I wrote. And the other ones were a couple of songs were like Pete songs and, a, and another one or two were like, you know, collaborative efforts. Um, but yeah, when I joined the band, I, I was singing just a little bit. It was almost like a, uh, a band with two lead singers. That's kind of how it started. Okay. And our, like our first, our very first, this day and age show, we played probably half MXPX songs. It was probably like, you know, five MXPX songs and four or five original songs. So we were really slow, slowly kind of uh, becoming the band that we would, you know, become. And uh, so you guys kind of pulled a Jimmy Eat World then, it sounds like, where you started off with one <laughs> singer and then it ended up being the the guy with the prettier voice. Well, at, at first, yeah, it was, you know, I always remember the day, and this was the day, but I always remember the, the show that I moved from being like on stage right to being in the cent- in the center of the stage. You know, the, I think the other guys were kind of like, you know, Jeff, you're starting to sing a lot more of the songs and this is, it seems like the direction that the band is heading in. Um, you know, why don't you stand in the center? I was like, Oh, okay. Um, cause I wasn't necessarily in a hurry to, to do that, but yeah, we, we were playing at a place called Showplace theater in Buffalo, which was a kind of a cool little, you know, somewhat uh, just staple of Buffalo, you know, punk and, uh, you know, underground music that was, a. Uh, at that venue that our band, I remember that kind of shift in our band. Okay. Um, so, so you guys uh, put out uh, your first uh, release and it was a start over on Monday is what it was called. Now, yeah. I want to say that was in 2002 and you were saying if this was in 2000, 2001, you guys must've had some momentum right away. Like you must've had some interest in you right away. Is that, is that true? Or uh, was it a little bit more of a struggle to get, uh, to get that first uh, release out? I would say that whole first year was us just trying to figure out what we, what we were, you know, it, it included that little five song EP that I should probably try to dig up someday. Cause it, I would probably, I would probably be shocked at what it sounds like, mm-hmm. but you know, we were just, we were just trying to write songs, trying to, you know, play shows in Buffalo, um, you know, be part of a little bit music scene in Buffalo. And then, and then, yeah, once we, once we realized, you know, once we had been playing a few more shows, people started, 
you know, at first, you know, I think any band at the beginning, it's just like your friends and your family there just to, just to support you regardless of how good or terrible you are. And then at a certain point you kind of start seeing, you know, looking into the crowd and you're like, Oh, there's a few people here that, you know, that I don't know that are just here to see us, which is, it's really kind of a crazy feeling at, at first when you're in a band that, you know, when you all of a sudden have a few fans, you know what I mean? Even if it's, even if it's five or 10 that are outside of your immediate circle of family and friends. So that's when we, I think things got a little bit more serious and we decided to take some of these songs that we had written and record them and, and start to even play more shows uh, in Buffalo around that. Yeah. You're right. 2002 um, timeframe. Yeah. With that and our first release of, you know, start over on Monday. Okay. And so what, what happened next thing? Cause how do we get from start over on Monday to uh, always leave the ground? Cause that's when it really yeah. picked up. Like that must've been the moment yeah. when you were like, Oh my that God, was. like I'm doing it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So those first couple of years were, were very much local. Um, we started playing some regional shows. I remember, you know, 2000, early 2003, I, I remember some playing some weekends like in Ohio and, you know, maybe even Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, just stuff that wasn't too far from Buffalo. Um, and somehow uh, now this is, this is funny uh, when your when your brain starts to remember things you haven't thought of in a while, someone that was a fan of our band who was kind of, if you remember back in the day, like 2003, 2002, there was all these like online zines, you know what I mean? Like, um, ma- like magazines or like, uh, online communities that were talking about, you know, new music and all this kind of stuff. And, and this girl, Carrie, who had like an online kind of either, I don't want to call it a blog, but some kind of stuff about new music had found out by being at a this day and age show about us and about our new release. One of our first big shows actually in Buffalo. And I think, I, I think she might've been at this was we, we opened for taking back Sunday and armor for sleep. Uh. And that was one of our first like big shows. You know, we weren't just on a local show. We were on an actual big bill. And, um, I want to say she was at the show and she contacted us afterwards and et cetera, et cetera. And she had a connection at a couple of different record labels. So she sent our music, you know, from start around Monday to one eleven records, which was this brand new label from, you know, Orlando. Mm -hmm. And that's when things really started to, head in that direction the owner of 111 records brad um, fischetti contacted us and um we had a couple other labels small labels that were you know expressed but we thought that that was was a good fit and they signed us for um for what turned out to be you know always leave the ground okay and so did you immediately start touring then and and recording or or like what was the next step uh after they signed you (laughs) yeah so if, if this show with with Taking Back Sunday and Armor for Sleep was in, you know, mid-2003, we, we were signed by the end of that year. And I, so this will kind of show that I'm kind of an old, you know, older guy at this point, but I graduated, I, I stayed in college. Actually, we, when, the, when the band was picking up momentum, I'm, you know, I'm three years older than all the other guys. And I almost dropped out of school because the band was really starting to pick up steam. And, um, but my parents were, you know, as supportive as they were, they, they were just really encouraging me like, Hey, you have one year left. I would, you know, just finish, finish school, 
you know, you can do the music stuff right after. So I did. And literally right after we were signed at this point. So it was May of 2004 that we left for tour. And in between there, there were a couple trips before that where we uh, went down to Florida to begin kind of demoing for Always Leave the Ground. And then also that summer. So we started touring in May 2004. And then that summer we recorded um, Always Leave the Ground. Okay. And and who did you guys tour with uh, when you first went out? Our first couple tours, we, you know, were very, very, very DIY. You know, we didn't have a booking agent yet. So we booked some tours, um, kind of trading favors with local bands. I mean, that was really a thing back in the day. Um, you'd say, Hey, you know, if you, if you put me on a show here and, uh, you know, Providence, Rhode Island, when your band comes through Buffalo, we'll, you know, we'll return the favor. Um, so we did some of that stuff. I also remember we set up a tour with the Stoke Canvas. They were one of our first, you know, cause they had also just recently signed with one eleven. Right. They were label mates. That's so we, right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So one of our first tours that felt a little bit more legit, you know, still very, you know, when I say legit, I mean, compared to some of the shows that we booked on our own, um, that was one of our first really cool tours. I remember was with Phil canvas. We started, it was, we started in like the Chicago area and just kind of went, you know, Midwest and then South from there. Okay. Um, so I, I want to ask you about your, uh, your writing process, your, your, your writing sure. process as a, as an individual songwriter and then your writing process as, as a band, like, and I guess we'll, we'll use always leave the ground as, as sort of our, our jumping off point. So could you just tell us how that, that album was written and, and, uh, and how that came together? Yeah. Um, so for a lot of those songs, I felt like Steve and I, Steve and I worked on a lot of those songs together. You know, we'd present an idea here and an idea there, and then we'd bring them to practice for the rest of the band. And then we'd kind of finish them at practice. I remember there's, you know, there's a song 780 on always leave the ground that Mike, you know, Mike brought that riff in. And then we, you know, we kind of, the song kind of formed from there, but usually, you know, very often I would, I would kind of bring the skeleton of a song um, that I had just written on, you know, acoustic guitar, just either a riff or like I said, just the skeleton, you know, verse, chorus, bridge, and I'd bring it to the band and then we would kind of finish it together. I, so I always can consider my writing, like I would bring like a skeleton to some, to, to the group. And then we would sort of finish it from there. You know, I'm, I'm not writing other people's parts for them, you know, that kind of thing. Like I, I always, I felt like I've always surrounded myself with people who honestly are probably more talented than me. Um, but I, you know, I had the songwriting ideas, I had the melodies and then, and then from there, the lyrics, I always, so that's part of my process is lyrics would actually come last. Okay. Um, usually would have, you know, I'm, when we were on tour, sure, I might have a, a journal or whatever filled with lyric ideas, but I wouldn't really put them to anything until I felt like the song was done because that's when you know i felt like the phrasing and the melody and the mood of the song all of that made more sense and was more complete uh at that point okay so always leave the ground um was you know a lot of skeletons from me and the band finishing it off and then bell and the hammer i would say was um still you know always leave the ground still very collaborative but bell and the hammer even more even more collaborative um you know we can get into that too but like I said, always surrounded myself with people that, you know, 
you know, just amazing musicians, amazing ideas. And, you know, we work, we work pretty well together. Well, that's 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 actually what I wanted to get into next is uh, the bell and the hammer because you said that uh, you know th- there was way more uh, collaboration on the bell and the hammer and you can definitely tell because yeah. always leave the ground is is way more guitar driven and, and just it's a it's yeah. it's a band record whereas the bell and the hammer sounds there's way more keyboard and way more productions and stuff yeah. like that um so and, and go ahead yeah and, and you're totally and that's a great observation because really in between in between those two albums is when Kelly joined the band. Um, and Kelly, our, he, he's our keyboard player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Kelly started touring with us when we were touring off of Always, Always at the Ground, but he wasn't part of that writing process. Um, but Kelly, who I still consider to be probably one of the most talented songwriters and just unbelievable, just little ideas that, of a person that I know, he brought a lot, he brought a bunch of um, ideas that, that found their way into the Bell and the Hammer. And, you know, I can even remember him, like the song, The Bell and the Hammer. I can remember him playing that little, just that little riff on piano and the song just grew from there. Um, so you're exactly right. Um, you know, Always at the Ground sounds like a, just a pop rock, you know, Jimmy World type record because I brought all those songs there. Not all of them, but I brought a lot of those songs there with just a, a guitar riff that started with a guitar. But there was probably at least, you know, a handful or more of the songs on Bell and the Hammer started with um piano or, or Rhodes. yeah you can definitely hear it man um yeah so that was kind of in between always leave the ground and the bell and the hammer that was kind of when you guys were firing on all cylinders is that is that a fair observation sure. um yeah definitely so you know end of you know the second half of 2004 2005 um and then into 2006 is when we were you know we're playing our most amount of shows where um or, you know, we're kind of gaining traction and, you know, 2005 was probably a year where we, you know, we probably played 200 shows that year. Um, so yeah, we're, we're definitely, you know, we're touring off of, uh, always at the ground and, and preparing to, you know, write and record, uh, the bell and the hammer. Okay. So, so tell us about that then, like the bell and the hammer recording process. Cause I, I have to say, and you even mentioned this when I saw you guys and we'll, we'll talk about this in a yeah. little bit, but the, uh, you guys did a reunion show in Buffalo. It was a yeah. uh, one off reunion show at uh, the town ballroom back in uh, December. And at, there's a song that you guys played. You did a really cool arrangement of a call up, a call up building a home. And you kind of mentioned yeah. that like that song is sort of about the breakup or the eventual breakup of, uh, this day and age. And I noticed even when I was listening to that to that album uh, back in the day, I was like, a lot of these songs sound like you kind of knew that this was already like starting to to. It was like I don't know how much longer this is going to last, sort of deal. Um, so that you yeah. must have known early on if you that, that was your last album, and you know you have to write and record. You must have known pretty early on, you know, hey, we're you know I can we're we're firing on all cylinders now, but I can feel this you know starting to to come apart or, or something like that. So could you just talk about like yeah. the all, all you know that process and uh, and and if, am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, you you are, and I think sometimes your like your heart or your subconscious, subconscious kind of says reveals things that are that you might not even in your head might not even be totally aware of yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, I, you know some of these lyrics. You know, b- building a home, bell and the hammer. Honestly, it wasn't until I started you know, almost re- after we recorded them, that it, it occurred to me what the, a couple of these songs are about. I know that sounds weird, but I have other friends that have, have told me similar things that, 
you kind of write these songs and it's just kind of, you know, coming out of you and everything's happening quickly. Um, and you don't really, this is not always the case, but sometimes you don't really think about the full scope of what you're, what you're saying or what the full meaning is until, until you realize it later. And yeah, there was something, there must've been, there was definitely something in me that was like, you know, this band, uh, has exceeded all my expectations, has taken me places that I never, you know, never dreamed it would. And that I had gotten to a point, at least mentally and emotionally, that in that songwriting, you can kind of hear it, that I was, I was already starting to kind of move forward, you know, before the band was even over. Mm-hmm. Well, so the band, so yeah, it's, it's the most obvious and it's the most obvious in building a home. Yeah, you're right. So the, the bell and the hammer comes out in September of 2006. Um, and you guys, uh, not long after, I think you play, I want to say you played your last show in November of, of 2006. Am I right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it came out, it came out and it came out in August. You're, you're very close. Oh, so, my bad. Yeah. yeah. We basically, we basically toured for three months on it. And then that was, and that was kind of it. And did, so you must've known, I mean, had you guys all talked about it before it came out? You're like, we're not going to do a full tour for this. We're going to play some shows and then, and then we're going to call it quits. Or could you just talk about how, how did the breakup come yeah. about? We were on tour, you know, we were on tour and this was probably October. And I had, you know, I told the guys that, I don't know, I, I was just kind of upfront with them and, and just, you know, letting them know that I've had, I was having a lot of sort of, you know, doubts just about, wanting to move forward there were, you know, there were some discouraging moments in the tour that we were on at, the, at that point. And that's not why that's obviously not why, but there were just some moments where I was able to kind of, I think, see, see a little bit more clearly, um, how I actually felt about the whole situation. And, you know, I revealed these things to the guys and, and, and it was one of those things where in a perfect world, you know, we would have taken a break for, six months or something and and come back. Um, you know, especially when I reflect on that, but you know, they really wanted to, you know, they really wanted to proceed with, with their, um, with their musical careers. Uh, you know, some of these guys didn't have the luxury of having a college degree. Like I, like I said, they, they probably gave up even more, um, than I did because they didn't finish school. They didn't some of these things. So, the pressure was sort of on me to kind of make a decision about how I was feeling about the band. And I just, um, so there wasn't really time to kind of go on a, a, a true hiatus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so just on that tour, which, which became our last tour, you know, probably in the beginning of that, of November of that tour or end of October, we just, I just decided that, you know, I don't really know how I feel about the longevity of the band at this point. So, we should probably just, you know, call it a day. And it's, it's weird to think about and it's weird to talk about actually. Um, like I said, cause in a, in a perfect world, you take some time off, you clear your head a little bit, especially with an album like Bell and the Hammer. I always, you know, of course we didn't even come close to giving that album the, the justice, you know, and the time and the touring it deserved because, to this day, that is the mo- the music that I'm the most proud of being a part of. And you, you should be, man. But, 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 you know, but I just, you know, wasn't, wasn't ready at that time to be able to, to maintain that, that lifestyle. It was just, I felt like I was at a crossroads and um, that was the decision that was made. 
Well, and I feel like point. You know, it's it's worth pointing out too. Like you never even pictured that that you wanted to do it in the first place. It was all just kind of a. You, you know, at first you never thought, oh, I'd be. A, I'd, I went, I'm not going to be writing my own songs, and then oh, I'm not going to be the lead right. singer, and then everything just kept piling up, and then you you know you, you get to that point, and you're you know like I said, you're just going 100 miles an hour, and you're kind of like, whoa, yeah. you know, you, you're to- you're totally right. Yep, and and that was and that was part of it, like what I, what I said before and what you just said combined is like, I never even thought it was going to get there. And, and it did and, and, and exceeded my expectations. And yeah, I mean, I, life's, life's funny. You know, when you, when you look back on it with, with some perspective and, you know, when you're not like caught up in the middle of it and, you know, at the time, you know, you ask any touring band, I mean, there's a lot of tension when you're on tour with the same guys and working with the same in those close, you know, close quarters and that proximity for, year after year after year. And, you know, me and those guys, we're better friends now than we were, you know, during this day and age, because, you know, ask, like I said, ask any touring band, there's just, there's a, it's it's complex. Mm -hmm. How often is your full-time job, you know, taking place within a 15 passenger van across an entire country? Um, So yeah, there's just a lot going on there, but in the end, that's what happened. And we have that music that, um, is kind of cemented in time and uh you know i I, st- I can't imagine what my life would look like if i continued down that path but um yeah that's that's where it ended you know november of 2006 uh club infinity buffalo new york that was the last show well why don't you talk about um well there's actually one real quick question before we get to the, un- uh, yeah, the sure. reunion show but i wanted to ask where did the name uh, this day and age come from yeah, I don't. I, I feel bad when people ask me that because I don't have a good story at all. Um, Steve, I, I'm pretty sure Steve came up with it. We needed a, we needed a name when we played that that first show of ours, and we didn't have a name at that point. Um, we were playing the show at Kenmore West, which is where Steve went to high school, mm-hmm. and um, we didn't have a name. I think he just suggested it. He heard it somewhere or thought of it. I forget. I can't remember. And we just said okay. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, I apologize for not having a, a wonderful story about that, but. No, hey, know, man, you know, just gonna, yeah. Michael Stipe put his finger in the dictionary for REM. So, I mean, you know, there's I yeah. never feel bad. The story is the story, right? Yeah, that, so. yeah that, that's kind of all there is to it. And then we played that that show and, and we were this day and age. All right. Well, uh, so uh, a lot happened in between. Uh, when you guys broke up in this, uh, this past December, when you decided to do a reunion show and we'll get to that in a minute, but I wanted yeah. to ask you, cause you guys just did a reunion show in uh, December, uh, at the town ballroom yeah. in Buffalo. And I wanted to ask how that came about. Cause I, I, that was when I, I, I drove up there to see you guys. Cause I, I heard about it yeah. and I was like, I never thought I'd get to see you because I discovered you guys about like six months after you broke up. And, uh, yeah. And so I was shocked to see it. I imagine a lot of other people were. And, and so I'd just like to hear how that came about. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome to hear stories like that because I've gotten a lot of emails over the years of people that have, you know, discovered us after the fact. And, you know, it's one of those things that you, you kind of feel, feel bad that, you know, those people didn't get to see you live and, you know, it is, you know, it is what it is. So I think at least for your story and a few other people who I've met, you know, getting to see us at that show was kind of cool. But Steve and I had talked, about doing a reunion show a bunch of times, probably for the last couple of years. Um, you know, it became, as, as I'm sure you, you've seen, it became pretty trendy to do that, that 10 year reunion um, thing. You know, a lot of our old, a lot of our old friends, old touring friends, bands, you know, whether it was 
Sherwood or the Spill Canvas or May. Um, I, the list goes on. There was a lot of those bands that we toured with and played with that were doing reunion type shows. And, you know, Steve and I talked about it a little bit, kind of felt, you know, in, in 2016 and, you know, even 2015, we talked about it because 2016 would have been like the 10 year, the exact 10 year anniversary of the end of the band. And it just fell through that year. And, and really what happened is Christmas of 2016, a very good friend of the band, her name's Kara. She always has like a post Christmas, um, kind of like brunch with our friend group in Buffalo and all five of us, this day and age guys were sitting there Christmas 2016. And we're like, Oh, we could have done the show. Like we're, we're, we're right here. We're all together in the same place. This is rare. So that momentum carried into 2017 and, um, talked to the guys. We all, we all just thought, Hey, we almost did it last year. We don't do it now. We never will. So let's do it. And, that, and uh, yeah, things came together. We did one practice in New York City about three weeks before the show. Um, you know, a lot of it was homework. A lot of it was kind of revisiting those songs on our own. You can ask my wife. I was probably driving her nuts with how much I was just <laughs> working on those songs in the in the weeks leading up to the show. But yeah, we just practiced one time uh, in New York, and yeah, and then and then we revisited that whole world for for a night. And how, how did you guys feel about the reunion show? Because, I, I mean, you sounded great. So, uh, you know, yeah. did, 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 do you, what I'm getting at is, do you think there will be more in the future? I don't know. That's a good question. I, we felt great about it that night. There was, you know, when we were done, I, I remember we walked that, we walked off stage, you know, kind of before our little one, one song encore, and we were standing behind the stage, and I think Steve and I looked at each other, and we're just kind of like, what just happened? Because it, like, <laughs> it, it, went, it went so great. And Steve's, Steve's dad, who's, who's always been a pretty, you know, critical guy, you know, in, in, in sort of a playful way, but also just, he's a pretty tough guy to please. Um, you know, would always be like, oh, you guys sounded okay. You guys sounded pretty good. Yeah. You know, like real, real tough. He came up to Steve after the show, or maybe it was the day after, and just was like, Steve, I've never, ever, ever heard you guys sound so good. And, you know, Steve, even, you know, now as a 32-year-old, adults was kind of like oh my gosh hmm. my dad said that we were we sounded good and uh we you know we laughed about that so yeah we we really enjoyed playing that night man and it was it was weird and it was beautiful and it was so many things and you know the people that we got to see that night and that see that we haven't seen in years and meet who we you know guys like you who i never met um it was just a really cool night and we did throw around the idea of, of doing more because we put so much work into that one show. Um, so I, I don't know if the answer is I don't know if we'll do more. Um, personally, I'm, I'm open to it. Um, there is a little, I don't want to, I know this is kind of a tease, but there's a little possibility of something later this year um, that I need to talk to the guys about and see if we can work it out where it would be a few shows. It would probably be like uh, maybe like four shows, kind of like Northeast, ish um and we need to see if we can if we can make that happen so i'm All just right. gonna say you never know yeah yeah well we'll keep our eyes open <laughs> for sure yeah um so uh real quick i just want to talk to you a little bit about what you you did in that the t- you know in the past 10 years you said you, you you moved to philadelphia um and yeah. you did uh two 
uh, musical projects that I'm aware of. If there's more, let me know. But um, one of them, the first one that I became aware of, and I want to say it was around 2010, 2009, somewhere in there, was called The First Joke yeah. and Other Matters. And I'm pretty sure that was yeah. with Steve, wasn't it? Yeah, so basically Steve and I each did like kind of like five of our own songs. And, and we played on, you know, played or sang on each other's songs a little bit here and there. Um, but they, there was very clearly, you know, five of my songs and very clearly five of Steve's songs. And we just put them on the same album together. And, um, yeah, that was one thing we did in 2010. So that was, that was fun. Uh, I just had some fr- local friends from Philadelphia area, you know, friends of mine here that just played on the album. It was really, um, kind of low key thing that just turned into something that sounded better than we expected it to. So we, we released it. And, um, and yeah, 2012, uh, I play, play music and even, even currently a little bit play music with a bunch of, uh, you know, four of my closest friends here in the Philadelphia area. And we called ourselves Thompson Lakes. We put out one album and, um, man, we have another like eight or nine songs done, close to done right now that I really, really, really love probably the, a group of songs that I'm the most proud of since the bell and the hammer, honestly. Hmm. Um, but we're just having such a hard time. And, and I'm a big, big, big part of this, just having such a hard time, uh, figuring out a way to, to finish these songs and to record them. So we'll see, man. I, you know, maybe there'll be a little bit more, uh, Jeff Martin music coming out soon. All right. Well, I will be looking for that for sure. I, I have to say, <laughs> I got to tell you a quick story. Uh, and the yeah. audience is not going to care about this at all, but I'll keep it quick. Um, okay. P- Pompton Lakes. I listened, I heard about you guys in 2016. Um, and uh, I went to LA for my 30th birthday in May that year. And yeah. I'd never been west of Kansas City before that, but I remember uh, listening to Home, the song Home, uh, which I think was the single yeah. off of that album, as I was riding around yeah. the subway in, in L.A. <laughs> so that's like this this, oh, cool. this memory that I have of that. But it's 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 yeah, it sounds very this day and age esque. I mean, mostly just because it's you singing, but uh, yeah, um, but yeah. So we'll definitely yeah, look for another the... group of guys that are just amazing musicians and good friends, and you know, we we not, we play music together at our church as well. So we just we have pretty good chemistry just because we're used to playing with each other mm-hmm. um but yeah we'll see if we can get a little bit more music out there in the next year or so okay um my final question uh for you is uh is is just and if you're not comfortable answering it that's totally fine but uh, what what is your day yeah. job what have you what did you go to college for and what and is it your day job now yeah so i mean i know it's funny i sometimes people especially this day and age fans you know they are, they're surprised when I tell them that I have a day job. I, I also have a wife and two kids, so I'm kind of really doing the full adult thing. Um, so I, I have two degrees. I have a marketing degree, and I also have an English education degree because I, I taught high school English for a couple of years, uh, uh. To, you know, 2011, 12-ish. But, so I have, two, I have a full-time job where I work at a, um, like a medical company. I'm a product manager there, so kind of in the marketing world. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually travel to, you know, get to go see surgeries and see our stuff in action, which is pretty cool and meet surgeons and, and all that. Um, and I still as a part-time job just for kind of my musical side, I still oversee the music and teams at my church. Um, so that's kind of still a nice little, you know, outlet for me and still getting to, to be involved in, in music. So those are my two, you know, two things these days. Okay. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, man, that, that, that's, that's a great, uh, that's, that was a great interview. Um, the, uh, yeah. I have to say the show is called American Winer, so I am obligated to ask you, uh, <laughs> do you have anything that you want to whine about? 
And if you don't, that's totally fine. But (laughs) no, no. What what do I want to whine about? You know what? Actually, I I feel like there's not many uh, any good new TV shows. Can I whine about that for a second, dude? Yeah, it's it's any topic, man. And and maybe it's just because you know my wife and I we've seen all the shows that we consider to be awesome. You know, all the Breaking Bad's and Westworld and Dexter's of the world. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you know now that Netflix is this unbelievable like conglomerate or whatever it's become they're putting out so many so 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 many shows that it seems like the quality of their like original shows or the ones that are you know branded at netflix seems to be going down a little bit um so that's a funny thing to complain about when because it's not a real complaint but well, uh i'm just looking you know i'm looking for a i'm looking for a great new show out there so yeah, dude, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of one. Like, like I've heard that Altered Carbon is the new Netflix show. Is that's supposed to be yeah. okay? I haven't seen it. Um, but uh, but I've heard that's that. What th- I mean, like, I can't even I can't even keep up with with all with all these and you know. Um, but hey, Altered Carbon, maybe I'll have to have to check that one out. Yeah, yeah, and and you're absolutely right. I think even I think South Park made fun of this last last season where they did an episode where it's like if you just call in a netflix they just immediately give you a show like you're not even you don't want to do it you're just like you know hey how do i fix my subscription and they're like oh what how you know what's your idea for a show oh it's it's greenlit exactly um yeah because it's crazy (laughs) how how uh how how big it's gotten and how fast and 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 i mean now you know it's not just them like everybody's getting in on it like now amazon they produce movies and tv shows and everything else it's uh this is going to be a, a quick a quick, uh, well, maybe not quickness, sir, but this is, it certainly seems like it's peaking and, uh, yeah. and you know, th- this wave is going to crest sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, but you know, it is a cool thing and you know, it's obviously changed just like the way the music changed and streaming changed the way we watch TV has changed so much and who knows what's next. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Anyway, man, uh, you uh, you got to get going. I know, so we'll uh, we'll let you go here. But uh, but, dude, yeah. thanks so much for for coming on and yeah, talking, man. dude. This is this has been great. Um, and thank you for having me. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll look for uh, for more of this day and age uh, uh, potentially uh, uh, news um, towards the end of the year, and uh, and pr- pr- yeah, maybe sure. even some Pompton Lakes uh, new Pompton Lakes music as well. That's right, man. I hope I hope we can make something happen. But yeah, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for coming to the show and. In, in Buffalo and uh, maybe we'll run into each other again. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. And I will, uh, and, and I'll be in touch. So, uh, so thanks a lot, man. Um, and everybody else, uh, I will, uh, I will be back uh, next Wednesday. Um, I'm actually, I uh, don't have a guest scheduled for the first time. Well, I, I do, but I, I need to confirm that with him. And, uh, and so we will figure that out and I will be back next Wednesday at the usual scheduled time. I will not be on tonight uh, from my usual seven to eight because we did the show now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so everybody have a, have a great week and, um, I will be, uh, I will be back next Wednesday and Jeff, thank you one more time. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Yeah, you too.